Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? There's no one there. I'm speaking to an empty room. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Oh, Oh, I feel so much better. And welcome to our current series titled Shaping Culture. Last week, Reverend Josh taught us about fervent prayer. And the week before that, he gave us the message on authentic community. So today, we're looking at relational evangelism. And I tell you what. That, for me, was a tongue twister. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you speak to our hearts, our souls, that we have ears to listen, eyes to see, and a tongue to speak your word. And we pray that everybody here is so filled with the Holy Spirit that they just float when they leave out here and go on on this week coming. But right now, Father God, I ask that you bless each person listening to this message, those online here in the congregation, that you'd bless them right out of their socks. And please don't let me make any mistakes like I did last time. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' precious name, amen. So what exactly is relational evangelism? I don't know about you guys, but I actually had to look it up. Relational evangelism is basically sharing the Bible in a way that the listener can understand what you are saying and how you say it. Depends on how far they are into their relationship and walk with Christ. Relational evangelism recognizes that a person needs time to count the cost, to evaluate, to think, and to get answers to their burning questions. It's basically expressing your faith in your own words and how it has affected your life. We can boil revelation... We can boil relational evangelism into four categories. Okay, the first one is intellectual. Give it up on the screen. Yeah, yes. Thank you, Emily. The nature of the Bible, who God is and who was Jesus. The next one is testimonial. Recurring stories of the powerful activity of God in the life of a person. The third one is invitational. 
come and see what God is doing with us and with me in blessing our community. And the last one is servant. Opportunities to explain why you sacrificially give your time and money to church and the kingdom of God. Do you have a restless spirit? Are you looking for answers to that restfulness, restlessness? Does your lifestyle mirror your faith? Do the non-Christian people in your life feel comfortable enough to ask you a spiritual question and know that they will receive an honest, credible and easy answer to understand? That is how relational evangelism works. There are four reasons why it works. Number one is credibility. Your friend might have a a crazy relative or obnoxious friend who's always forcing a, a Jesus conversation upon them. For your friend to become a Christian, they need a credible witness, someone who's normal. Your friend trusts you and your ideas. And even if they don't agree with you, you have built respect in your relationship and that fosters the positive creatability to be a person of influence. Number two out of four is visibility. Over time, people can see what defines your life, your interests, your hobbies, your choices, how you respond to circumstances are visible to your non-Christian friend. How God is at work in the life of your church as people of faith, knowing the presence of God's peace in the centre of our challenges. When you have then you have what I call the I choose sector. They, the non-church people, will see that I choose to give money to missions and advance the gospel. I choose to go to church over lounging around on a beautiful Sunday. I choose the godly ways that I raised my children and get wisdom from God's word. I choose to be comfortable in expressing the spiritual side of my life. In other words, my walk with Christ, allowing them to hear the stories of what God is doing in my life. Can you talk about your spiritual life with Christ to your non-Christian friends? The third point is accessibility. When strangers interrupt our life with some agenda they're pushing, we naturally go into defence mode. But in your friendship with non-Christians, are you able to access their needs, their hopes, their desires, their struggles? 
Do they call on you when life throws a spanner in the works? They might share with you how they've faced financial ruin. They might share with you how they are headed towards a breakdown in their marriage. They may even talk to you about how they feel so unworthy to belong to the family of God. What steps can you take this week to deepen your relationships with non-Christians? The fourth and last step is speakability. I've never heard that word before. I think they've made it up. In other words, can you ask their beliefs? Talk intelligently about what these people believe in and even disagree with them without being obnoxious. Within the safety of a trusted relationship, you have earned the right to speak freely about faith. You have earned the right to speak to their spiritual first when you hear it. And this conversation may not just be a one-off, but over the course of several conversations spread out in time. Have you heard your friends talk about a spiritual restlessness? Be prepared to give an answer that is not Bible bashing them. My daughter went to a a Lutheran school and she brought a friend home one weekend. The girls were doing their, their homework. They're teenagers. They're in high school. And the friend was having trouble with her homework. The subject, would you believe, was Christianity. She came from a non-Christian home. So she asked me, I, I have a problem. I said, okay, what, what's your problem? I might be able to help you. Did Cain marry his sister? Well, you see, how did they do that? Because Adam and Eve only had boys. Oh, well, sweetheart, even the greatest theologians can't answer that question. It's what you call faith. Now, if you're going to research your family, like the Bible does in the genealogy of Jesus, you're not going to talk about the people next door, are you? You're only going to talk about the main people in the family. No, I don't have all the answers, I said to this lassie. But all you have to do is have faith the size of a mustard seed. And she said, what's a mustard seed? So I went into the kitchen and I showed her. And after time, we're, we're still friends to this day, this young girl. She's nearly 30. And she knows that she can come to me and ask any question in the Bible. And she knows that I will give her an honest, easy to understand answer if I am able to do that. Although I really do think I, I did my best talking about Cain's wife. It's as simple as that. Not being a Bible basher, but putting yourself into their shoes for 5, 10, 20 minutes. Trying to understand their way of thinking. There is nothing, almost nothing, 
in the Old Testament about evangelism. That is a New Testament thing. And it's chock full. I wasn't going to do a Bible reading or anything like that, but there are over, oh gosh, nearly 20 scriptures in the New Testament in respect to evangelism. Basically, relational evangelism is a bridge that you build over time which will support the weight of truth. When I was 20, I went to the United States for three months. And I was staying with friends in Arizona. They knew I was a Christian. And they said, look, we're going to a revival tonight. The tent's set up. And I'm like, oh, I've never been to a tent revival. Oh, this is going to be amazing. And the music, oh, I tell you what. It really, like this morning, that music in that tent, like the music this morning, lifted my soul. And I want to thank you guys for that beautiful music this morning. It was unreal. Anyway, we're sitting down waiting for the preacher to come out. He gets up to the podium. And I tell you what, the first thing he said, you are going to burn in hell. And I'm like, oh my God, where am I? What am I doing? He told us we were all going to burn in hell because we were sinners. Yes, we are born in sin. But once we accept Jesus into our hearts and let him flow into our spirit, we become more and more like him. Some of us, we might fight that. No, I don't want to give up my cigarettes or my beer or my carousing or anything like that. But eventually, over time, the more time you spend in the Gospels, the more time you spend praising and worshipping, the more you are going to be like Jesus. I got angry that day. I don't get angry, but this day I did. And in the middle of this guy's ranting, I stood up. And I yelled out, Jesus is love. My mother dragged me by the scruff of the neck out of the tent, saying that I upset the kettle. What it boils down to, people, is two things. One is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbour as yourself. That doesn't mean that as a Christian, you have the right to use standover tactics talking to non-Christians. Be yourself. Try and get into their headspace to understand where they're coming from. Because if you've got this wall and you're not prepared to move into their personal space... You've lost them, and they've lost you. The second point I want to make is a great commandment. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is basically what relational evangelism is. It's not going around, no offense, door to door, and telling people you've got to do ABC. It's not standing on a street corner and standing on a soapbox and screaming at people that 
They're going to hell and damnation with fire and brimstone everywhere. That's the old thinking. You know, they're foregaller. For many years, people have been told what the church is against. We need to get out there and tell them what the church is for. And it's for love. It's for God's love. Because if he didn't love us, he would not have sent his son to die such a brutal death on that cross so that we could be one with him. We would not be adopted into the family of God. We would not be heirs. We would not be wearing crowns when we die. If we have not accepted Jesus for who he is, how can people accept us as Christians when we're trying to talk to them and give them an answer? Be yourself. Tell the truth. Don't use big words. Don't pressure people. Relational evangelism is having a relationship with the people you're talking to, not talking down to them, not looking down at them, but talking to them as a gentle teacher like Jesus. It's the only way it's going to work. So what have we learnt today, besides me doing my nut? We're all imperfect, but we serve a perfect God. And you no longer have to live in guilt, shame, or condemnation. That's what we need to tell. Let God's work shine. Be an international bridge builder and watch God do his work in their hearts. It's not up to us to do the work in their hearts. It's up to us to plant the seed. Be the beautiful feet that bring the good news of Jesus to another person. And don't do it on your own. Do it with the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you give us all patience and strength, wisdom and courage to give your word to the people, the unchurched people, those that have been damaged by the church and anybody we come across. Let us stand in their shoes and know what they have been through. Father God, we give ourselves to you as a child asks for advice for their father. We ask that you speak to everybody here and everybody online. And we thank you, Father God, for your grace and your mercy and your most ultimate sacrifice in your son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we give you all the glory. Amen.